welcome back to season nine of the Millennial Pastor Podcast. I'm your guest host, Latia Frazier, and along for the ride will be my ableist sidekick, Josiah Jones. Listen now for honest conversations about disability in the church. Enjoy the episode. Hey, uh, welcome back to the podcast today. I'm chatting with my friend, B. B, if you can tell me, um, like, who you are, and because we're on a podcast and we can't see each other visibly, um, yeah. tell us what, how you identify within the disability. Yeah, thank you for having me. Um, so I'm B. Um, and short for Beatrice, and yeah, well, I identify as a person with a disability, um, but I also identify as uh, a Latina, Mexican-American, um, I'm actually a child immigrant, so all of these identities, and as a woman, um, a cisgender woman, so all of these identities converge, um, but currently, I am working as a licensed marriage and family therapist for an agency that services um, marginal community, um, predominantly black and brown in the kind of like South Central area of LA, Inglewood, that area. And so that's primarily what I'm doing Monday through Friday. Yeah, that's a lot. <laughs> You sure? Uh, I work with child, um, child and families, so I work with families, with minors, um, and I also do art on the side. My other, um, yeah, that's my other part of who I am. Um, that's in a nutshell. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. I'm going to come back to some stuff. <laughs> yeah. But I want to ask, like, what? Even though this would not be a um, uh, a polite question to ask, you know, just some random person that you meet sure. in the store that has a disability, but uh, what is the name of your disability? Yes, that is a good question. So I am in a wheelchair. I'm a um, electric wheelchair user, and to someone, to to a, a you know, they would tell right off, not just because of the wheelchair but because I'm not able to like use my upper body or my hands so it's really noticeable um and so I have a neuromuscular condition called sarcomeric tooth disease but I have a, a really severe type so it's it's in the category of like similar to like muscular dystrophy or spinal muscular atrophy so it's those like um types of conditions so it's aggressive it's genetic uh it's not my i recently found well not recently but like in 2018 it's taken this to to get like a definitive what is this like i'm 45 and it's taken like till 2018 to get a definitive um and um, it's due to a genetic mutation. So, you know, that, that's, a, that's kind of in line with this whole disability conversation, even like genetically being different, 
and what to do with that and you know all these big theological questions yeah when it comes to genetics (laughs) but but in a nutshell that's my um this is why i i have a disability yeah i i loved when you introduced yourself i said you know just introduce yourself and you did not begin with well you did maybe but then you also included like i'm latina and i I'm an artist and all these things. I wonder, you talk a little bit about like intersectionality. Yeah. By that, I mean, um, you know, when I walk into a room because my disability is also very visible. Right. And, and as a black woman, I often wonder like two things. Like when I walk into a room, people are, uh, they encounter a lot just in my one person right and so I, I wonder like sometimes am i being treated differently because i have a disability or is it because i'm a woman or is it because i'm black so can you talk a little bit about like intersectionality yeah no i i would say for me i mean the the, the number one thing that i i know is at the forefront of who i am and and the perception so you know more of uh that is you know my disability being disabled and from a from an early age and i i was brought to the u.s um at the age of eight so i have like some and i remember vividly you know the experience and what it was what I experienced, you know, and at that time I was, um, I was able to walk, I was able to walk like, um, with limitations and things like that. I used crutches. And so at that point it was, you know, uh, visible that I was disabled, but the experience of always being like, always knowing that there, and then as I got, um, you know, uh, to be like, a, I became a wheelchair user at the age of eight, nine, not like nine. And so as, um, you know, I became a wheelchair user, then there was the added layer for me of losing my, um, you know, losing my independence at that age, like nine, 10. So that's, you know, and so all of that combined with a family that didn't really understand what what to make of this in a, from a different cultural context mm-hmm. as the immigrant, it was it was a lot to you know kind of unwrap at a very young age, and so um, I yeah, and to this day, like I know people don't see me as Latina. It's not the first thing they see. They see like, oh, this person, you know, I'm, I'm so cognizant of that, of my perception and how I'm viewed mm. more so than my ethnicity. Yeah. I wonder too, I think this will go into that. Like what, how do you feel like your disability has shaped your self-image? Your... Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. You know, my therapist side would love to say that I got a cohesive sense of style. 
that could be the farthest from the truth. I, um, I'm not, I'm not there yet. And I, and the reason why is because the reason why is because of the, the progressive nature of it. It's like, it's constantly changing. And the narrative of loss and grief is just this cyclical thing. And like the other thing I mentioned earlier, you know, I, I have a, a rare type of something that doesn't really have a clear roadmap. So there are a lot of like, um, uncertainties and, you know, so it's, it, this strange, I don't even know how to call it, but I know that medical conditions are not disabilities are not, you know, and like disabilities are not medical conditions, but in my case, it's almost like my disability is one thing, but the, but it's linked intrinsically linked to something, um, biological. And so I think my view of it and my, my difficulty with it is the, the, the fact that, you know, my body is declining and changing and giving me so much heartache and you know the chronic i entered um a new category of of people that i never imagined i would and that's chronic pain um so that's like another layer to you know unpack like it's really disabled me in a way that i never imagined i would be disabled you know i kind of in in retrospect if i you know i i felt myself even though i have a lot of limitations and i need care for you know self-care for like the basic things but i never saw my my disability as like um a huge obstacle mm -hmm. until even though i i depend on caregivers but in 2021 i really entered a new era and and now i see myself as like uh am i sick ah oh, and i've been like you know um pushing back on that perception mm -hmm. but now it's like well now my i'm really disabled like it's this new identity that i i'm still wrestling with i'm not i'm not gonna lie it's still it's still uh, an ongoing yeah thanks so much for uh, i that brings up like a thing for me too of like um like you were born with a disability so like you have an understanding like oh yeah i have a disability but like and then the aging process or the progression for you yeah it's like oh but now that also means i can't do this and i can't do like it as on yeah. so it's like you are having to come to grips with what your disability looks like in different seasons yeah 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 so yeah I that too as i yeah and just because there's not a lot particularly because your conditions are rare but also just in general with with disabilities it's not a lot of research done um and especially with women of color just the healthcare. so there's not a lot of research yeah not a lot of like what to expect when you're busy. yeah kind of things yeah this unknown um i wonder how that has shaped your view of god 
it has not been an easy, uh, and it's still, you know, it's still, I, I want to say that, um, that's a long conversation. Um, I, so let me start off by saying that I had a, I guess you want to call it supernatural or something, something that was unexplained when I was four. My family didn't go to church, you know, we weren't like church was not in the, um, in my, in my context. So I had no reference to why I would have such a experience, but I do remember seeing this like kind of very vivid, almost like a vision of a, of a cloud. And I knew that was God. And, uh, and so this like knowing, and I knew God was real and I knew God loved me and, you know, um, again, no context for that experience. And was, um, so as I got older, when we, uh, immigrated to the U S my family, um, my mother grew up in like a Presbyterian background. And so we ended up at a Baptist church at the age of like nine. And it was a really like fundamental Baptist church, like piano only, hymns, no charismatic anything. I mean, it was, you know, so Calvinistic. I mean, the Calvinism right there. And that was my first church experience in, in the midst of my body changing, immigration, loss. I mean, a lot of a family upheaval. And I, I don't think the message of you are a sinner, you are, you know, the, it's a very Calvin. And, and I, I still, I, you know, I, I believe in the redemptive um, work of Christ with regards to sin, but they really hone it down at a young age. You know, they really hone it down. And so I've started seeing God as um, like he was my mad parent. And that I internalized that as I, my body changed and I continue to experience loss and anger. I had so much anger. By the time I was in college, I ended up at a private Christian college. I was depressed. I was angry. And I didn't know what to, I just kept believing that it was somehow God's fault. God wouldn't make it stop. Like God wouldn't make the progression stop. And it wasn't until I went to seminary. So fast forward 2010, I entered seminary, not knowing why I was there, but I knew God had sent me. And it wasn't until this class, it was like Hebrew um, exegesis. And we looked at, lo and behold, the book of Job. And it felt so providential because that was, I want to say that was my first time that I really grappled with with God and like head on and scripture. And, and I, I, that was so healing for me. But it didn't take away this, and I still struggle with it. Like, 
if something goes wrong, if my med, just whatever, I'm like, did I do something? Am I, you know, there's, I know it's still in there that the Lord is working on to unravel. And that, so it's complicated. Yeah. <laughs> You're in a complicated relationship with it's God. I get it. Complicated. Where would you say if you were to land yourself anywhere denominationally? Where would you be now? I'm a Christian. <laughs> okay, we're gonna go with that. <laughs> That's great. Honestly, I'm trying to figure it out. Um. I went from a, you know, like Calvin Baptist Church, um, ended up by the time I graduated from college, I had another charismatic experience. And so I ended up at like, like Pentecostal Latino, I mean, uh, Spanish speaking church. And then I've been in that charismatic world for a long time. Um, and got burned pretty badly, like really badly, like hurt. And it wasn't until the pandemic that I decided to leave the church I was at. That so I think God, I know God is still healing. I'm a, a so denominationally, I don't know. I go to a Nazarene church right now. They've, they've been incredibly welcoming. But I, right for the it, Nazarenes. <laughs> <laughs> Something like. Okay. There, there, I mean, this particular church has been so, and I know God sent me there, that there was, again, providence and God's guidance. But there's something in my heart that gravitates towards Orthodox, Eastern Orthodox, and Catholic, and all these, like, liturgical grounding yeah, and it's not just a recent thing. I think that comes from even growing up or not growing up, but like being a child in in Mexico and and seeing. Yeah, I I don't know where it comes from, but I know it, it comes from an earlier part of me that I've had an affinity to these traditions, and um, so I don't know, like yeah, I. All I'm right. sort of like to like I'm a Nazarene, but I'm like wow. so connected to like Episcopal because oh, it's like it's like wow. prayers that people have prayed for the centuries. And when I don't have the words for yeah. uh, the stuff that's going on in my head, I can I could go to the book of Common yeah. and be like But and you know, I'm black, so I love like the black church too. Yeah. I and the song Some Side of Ground We So I, I feel this like I'm a Christian and I'm I find space in all communities, I think. Just like it sounds like um, so, so speaking of the Christian thing, I don't know if this this is like both a theological slash it could be ableist. Um maybe it's more denominational and theological. I live just outside of Seattle in I can't stop seeing all the advertisements for it. Benny Hinn is coming to Seattle. Um, and so <laughs> I just, I, this is where my mind's going. You got to forgive me. We're talking about the histories with denomination, church, and all that stuff. I, I grew up with some of the caricatures in my head um, of what like faith healing crusades were about. Yes. 
and in the church hurt that comes with that. I mean, in the smallest way, I would hear my mom talk about it. She had a, uh, she was told she would never get pregnant. She'd had all these miscarriages. People told her some secret sin she hadn't forgiven or she hadn't asked for forgiveness for was causing it. You know, lack of faith is what's preventing this, that, the other. So I, I'm just curious, um, cause I would say as a teenager, if I met you, I'd be like, let's take you to the next healing crusade. Right. Um, and there was always one every week. So, Hey, I'm curious your thoughts on some folks that might come across that way towards you or might treat you as like a opportunity for a miracle or something like that. Uh, but then B, um, I'm just curious as, cause I don't actually, that's not where I'm at anymore. Um, uh, yeah. Uh, what's a I'll better be way for church friends? <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> be hard for us to be friends, Latia. If I was, if I was that sort of a way, uh, but I don't. I guess it, she could. Latia may ask you this because she's asked other guesses. But yeah. okay, so I, I, I'll let Latia ask the question that I'm kind of setting her up for. Then, so I guess I'm just curious if you've had those specific experiences about you know, kind of being an opportunity for someone to try to do like a prayer bomb on you or whatever. Yeah. Latia has a has a. I can't remember what's Yeah, called. so I think those are actually two separate questions, just so So the one question that I've asked everyone is if you could take a magic pill if it existed um, or people could pray for your healing, would you accept that? Like, if you know if you took this pill right now, you wouldn't have a disability, would you take it? I would. I, you know, um, I'm not, I don't want, I don't care to walk. I, I don't, I used to, I mean, I'm kind of having a, a, a memory of that, of what that was like, but, um, maybe the, the question, I want to say it, yes, mm -hmm. because of all that encompasses this particular disability but that's just me i've heard people with like muscular dystrophy that use non-invasive respirators are like i am you know they wouldn't trade themselves and i admire that so much i don't know why i'm not there but i would you know like to not be in so much pain or not need so much help um, but would I really like want to walk as no, yeah. I just want to be able to like care for my needs independently. I think that's, that's really what it is. It's the, the dependency on others for, for basic things that, you know, that's the thing that makes it really difficult. Mm -hmm. And, and, um, and it gets complicated with like, caregivers and you know not depending on my parents though and like um that's the reason why I would say yes not so much because I'm like you know I would be cool to like get on a surfboard and think you know jump out of a plane like I you know that that'd be okay but like I, that that's really the the real reason why I would um say yes to that but Maybe it's not so much to like walk, it's more to like be able to be independent. So it's a matter of independence, not necessarily yeah. being yeah. a person with a disability, yeah. which I mean, everybody's different. So yeah, yeah, to hear that perspective. And then I think 
the second question, which maybe Josiah was getting to, was in terms of people praying for you yeah, or healing, right? Have you had experiences like that? And like, what, how, <laughs> how was that? Is that helpful, hurtful, or can a little bit? I've had, I've had, believe it or not, I've, okay, so I've had, yes. Um, when I, yeah, so I, but I want to say that God has healed me in some ways. Um, so the, the, so when, for example, like in, I was like in my, um, because of my condition, I would get pneumonia and bronchitis growing up and it was just like constant, um, you know, the, the difficulty with that is really serious. And so I remember like when this is 2007, so I was like in my late 20s, um, this lady from my parents' church, church I grew up with, the Baptist church, I wasn't going there at the time. I was like lying in bed with really high fever. And literally the lady, pastor's wife came and laid hands on me prayed for healing and I could you not like it started sweating and I I'm not at bronchitis I'm not pneumonia since then so I I know that you know that experience of like just my you know sweating and like the fever leaving it's like not something that is um in my head or you know anything like that so I've had that experience but I've had, unfortunately, uh, I've had the other way, way more, where, um, because I was involved in these, like, charismatic, like, like Bethel types of settings um, for a long time. Yeah, I'm, I'm a, you know, just a target. Like, it isn't even, yeah, and I, it's, so it's like an objectification. So it's almost like you're not, yeah, I didn't feel like a person. I felt like immediately someone would want to like lay hands on me and start praying for me to walk. The other was I was really sick. I needed prayer. I needed, you know, and, and that was God's sovereign will at that time. Um, but it wasn't like she was praying, like, get up and walk. It was let the fever, you know, leave and, and for you to get better. Um, so yeah, I had way too many. The last church I went to was kind of that, you know, modern Bethel-like kind of church. And um, I left for a number of reasons, but I, I do um, remember feeling like friends were not really friends. I always felt like I was a pity. I always felt like I didn't, I wasn't accepted for my full self. And the one time that the friend group that I thought we were friends invited me somewhere was one of those crazy healing crusades. And I, I felt so angry. And that was the first time that I've said, no, they called me up. The lady called me up from the front of the church, assuming that I was there for that. And I told them no. And everyone, everyone was shocked that I would say no. And People from my church, I mean, it was just, you know, after, after that 
uh, incident we went to in and out and they were still trying to get me to like believe in that and i i kept theologically you know talking to them about where in scripture that's not always the case and i'm so it just it didn't really resonate with them and i i didn't feel accepted so unfortunately in those types of settings my experience has always been that like you know walking prayer uh yeah and and not in like and and it it's not like what do i need prayer for it's it just assume that's what you want prayer for yeah i love that too and i had to i have other another friend of mine ben who we he has a disability we talk about this all the time he, he has more of a personality than I do if you can believe that and he would say Latia just tell them no (laughs) just say no so it was really a journey for me to say like it is it is a matter of consent right you don't get to just yeah pray for me and whatever you think I need um but you could ask me if, if yeah that's what I want and then accept my no for no and yet I think what you bring up too, like there's a difference for me between sickness and disability. So like if I had pneumonia, um, when I've been sick, because I used to get sick a lot as a kid, like pray that I don't get these sickness. Yeah. I'm, I'm okay with that. Like, yeah, I don't want to yeah. have pneumonia or bronchitis or COVID or other things. Ah, ah. <laughs> but... <laughs> But I'm still okay, like having my disability. Yeah, that's different. Just how you look like you might. Yeah, I I remember. Uh, I'm just pulling it back for why I asked the question. I remember as a 16 year old because I, I think you said this be uh, the objectification of you, right? Like all I would have seen you as was an opportunity for God to prove He existed yeah. with a miracle, right? Like that's all that yeah. registered in my brain yeah. as a, as a 16 year old. I can clearly remember we actually I drove past it a lot. There were these tents because they're always tents, right? The big healing crusades are always in these big tents and stuff, and they were up, you know, every every quarter or yeah. whatever. And uh, that was the simple reductive reasoning of, oh, this should happen. So, uh, but yeah, hearing you articulate it as a clear objectification, right? Like, it makes me feel a certain way about dumb teenage Josiah. But that's why I got <laughs> friends like Latia who helped me, you know, figure stuff out. But I want to say this though, like in I, it was during that season where I was in seminary really wrestling with this is a question I was wrestling with does God, can God heal? Mm-hmm. And that head on, like Job and suffering and heal. I mean, and I remember my therapist is, um, I still see my therapist and. He's like my little Obi-Wan Kenobi. And he kind of confronted me on that. He's a believer. And he was like, wait, so God cannot? And it was it was a, a topic that was so painful for me because I felt like so disappointed because when I was a child, I prayed for God to stop the disease and to bring healing. And like, and so there was a deep, and there's still is to some extent still there, like you know, hurt, um, and disappointment. So I was dealing with that 
And, and I remember like I worked at a college and there was like a coffee shop a couple a couple blocks away. So it was I was strolling thinking about this, you know, arguing with God and this homeless lady that I knew, um, she came up to me out of all days. She was like, do you know that you're going to like walk in heaven? And she walked away like nothing else. <laughs> And I was so mad at God. I was like, you could not stop, please. <laughs> I was like, this is so you right now. So, yeah, yeah. Go, go ahead. So that brings me to another question that I had. Like, what is your, in terms of disability theology, I'm not sure how well we're you are in the many different views that folks have, but I'm curious then, do you see yourself as I, someone in heaven yeah. that doesn't have a disability or do you have? You know, I'm not, well, theologically, I'm not well-versed because that wasn't even, hence the ableism. <laughs> I was not exposed to that. That actually came later. Um, they, that was kind of an emerging thing at yeah yeah I grew up I that was not something I was exposed to yeah I was told you'll be healed whatever and you won't have but then but then there was Nancy Eastland who says oh with this disabled God thing yeah so where are you with that well so my only so uh, theologically I'm not well versed with the theologians in that um but on a personal level, I would, I do remember this from the, from um, seminary and it resonates just in my own experience of cruciformity. Mm-hmm. So cruciformity, that's Dr. Um, Gorman. Mm-hmm. So he talks about like how Paul, looking at Paul's theology and Paul's experience of Christ was always through um, it's it's almost like you're not like it's there's just like participation to some extent and identification with the crucif- cruciformity of Christ, and that implies suffering. Now, I just preached on this like like three weeks ago, and I I I had to give a disclaimer because I was like, I'm talking about suffering. And I know that I am feeding into the trope of people with disabilities are like these martyrs. I said, but this is my experience, not because of the the loss and the change and the the progression of it and now the pain that's like ongoing. And so theologically that has been Maybe that's why I kind of gravitate towards like the Catholic tradition because I think they do that well. The theology of suffering, like the Orthodox and the, um, you know, the Catholic, um, yeah, they 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 do that well. So theologically, I would say that that's where I, I on a personal level, that's where I I see that. But I look at Paul, so. Paul had a disability, and I always go to that. I'm like, you know, Paul was disabled, and he's one of this, like, amazing 
uh, pivotal uh, cornerstones of Christianity. And so the, the, the thing of healing, like that you have to be healed as a disabled person, I mean, that gets blown out of the water just from by looking at the person of Paul. Yeah. So do you see yourself in whatever heaven is or in the creation? Do you see yourself as a person with a disability or, or not? I would, I don't know. I was having this conversation a long time ago with my mentor at the time. Um, I mean, I would like to believe that my body will be whole. I, I won't be in this broken body that I'm in right now. Um, but I, just like Christ said, scars, I have scars on my, on my body. And, um, I think there will be like something that will, you know, it's not like that part of my existence will be eradicated completely. I, it's just my, you know, imaginative, but I, I think there will be some of that, that, you know, I'll, that will carry on eternity, but I would like to believe that, you know, my body will work in a way that it doesn't now. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I mean, we don't really know. And I would say, um, for me, I still see myself as someone that has a disability and that would not include like the pain and things that I experience, right? But I would, because of the way my body has functioned, like, you will be able to tell that I had a disability, yeah. a disability, right? But the pain and other things won't be there, right? Yeah. So that's yeah. Things I think about. Um, but you alluded to some ministry opportunities. Wanting to know because your your full time job is a counselor, but what has been your experience in ministry as a person with a disability? I started when I was a teen. I taught little kids. And then, um, you know, so I, I really enjoyed teaching. So that's kind of been, you know, like a volunteer, like taught Sunday school and taught teens. And um, I sang, I can't sing anymore, but like would do a little bit of singing in the worship. And that was always like really important to me. But, um, but it wasn't until like, oh, well, uh, the, the Baptist church, I ended up going, well, I was there while I was in seminary and, um, I was kind of like the, I acted as a pastor for the youth, but I was never recognized because they don't believe in women mm -hmm. leaders. So that brings up another issue that I dealt with and it wasn't a disability thing. It was a gender thing. And, you know, um, though I was getting, you know, theological masters and, um, and I wasn't even allowed to preach. The so, intersectionality thing, right? Yeah. That, <laughs> they were really accommodating. Like the disability wasn't even a thing. It was the gender that was really a barrier. Not, not my gender being a barrier, but the, you know, the, their view of what women should do and um so uh i did eventually preach um i taught a lot i 
preached on Friday nights, but you know, on two, three occasions, they, um, the pastor was like coming around and, you know, um, but recently the door opened, like I was not expecting it. And it opened up in like January where the pastor at the Nazarene church was like, you know, we'd like for you to, and especially for Lent. Um, so I was like, God, I don't want to do this. I don't want to do this. Um, and I didn't want to do it for a number of reasons. One being my body, one being like, am I going to hold it up? Am I going to be in pain? Am I going to, and, um, and it was probably one of the most powerful experiences that I've experienced recently and in, in a long time, actually with being able to um, speak and and knowing that God was there and present and and I was speaking and it wasn't just speaking. I mean, I did my work, I did my homework. I, um, yeah, it, it was amazing. Yeah. So at the moment, the only ministry I do <laughs> is their social media stuff. It's more of the artistic thing. So I'm kind of in the background, like dealing, you know, handling the social media and the and the artistic side. So which is important in ministry, right? So not all of not all of our ministry is like public facing. Yeah, I know it's in the background too. Yeah. Um, I guess I would ask for two questions. If you Yeah. If someone who maybe you were counseling or a friend said to you, like, and they had a disability, like, I feel a call to ministry, what advice or, like, wisdom would you share with them? I I mean, I would just encourage them. Um, but I would also, depending on the church and the denomination, where, um, you probably have that conversation about, what spaces and you know are more open to um people just like like in corinthians like the body of christ like it doesn't give any prerequisites for ability um there's there's nothing like that and so i would invite them to i mean my hope is they could find a, a church that will accept them fully and see their value and um uh, and, you know, so that would be my, my encouragement, but I would definitely like God's call is, you know, regardless of the, the, the people in the spaces and stuff like God's call, he will make a way to put you where he wants you to be and use you in the way that he wants to use you. So if you have the call, you have the call and he'll make a way for you to operate in that call. And then what would you say to like ministry boards that are like trying to, to discern whether, you know, someone should be in ordained ministry or just churches that have people with disabilities who come and want to be a part of the community? What kind of wisdom would you share? Um, oh man, that's another, there's so much work to be done. Like a lot of there's this like special needs ministry and it's still very 
segregative and, you know, like this charity model, instead of looking at people as participatory, mm -hmm. um, as, as part of, again, like this, you know, we have gifts, we all have gifts regardless of ability, physical or mental or what have you. Um, I, I, I don't know what I would say to that other than, you know, even the, this, these types of conversations are important so that people can kind of get out of this, like if ADA compliance, and we only have ramps or we have like a ministry on the side, um, that's it. That cuts the, that's the boxes. <laughs> right. <laughs> No, you know, it's, it's really welcoming and making part of, and, um, you know, even in the visible space, like preachers who are disabled and, um, I don't know, deacons who are disabled or, you know. so there, there is a lot of work. Representation matters, right? Yes. So if you, if you still, yeah. then you can say, oh, God calls. Yes. Yeah. 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 Well, one last question. Is there anything that you that we didn't cover that you would want to say to be sure to say? Or is there anything that you wanna plug so that folks can uh be connected with you and stuff? Oh, I would love. Um I'm on social media. Uh I'd love to connect with people. I haven't been as active. But Instagram, view my art. <laughs> Selfless, self-promotion. <laughs> Do you sell your art? <laughs> no, that's another. That's another hard topic. I don't know. It's hard to. I do it for you know. Just I do it. I haven't done it as much lately, but like, I don't do it to make money. I like. I just want people to see it. Um. Yeah, so Instagram at B B E A seven 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 so four seven R I O S. I know we're friends on Facebook. I gotta see if we're friends on Instagram. <laughs> we're not. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Josiah, is there anything else? Oh, I I can't think of anything else. I've just been enjoyed enjoying listening. Uh, I know y'all are good friends, so it's it's good to just See y'all catch up, but also learn. I was expecting a hard question. I mean, I like she paints the picture of me coming and being a jerk, but I like can't bring myself to to like try to be real rude about ableism stuff. I mean, I could be a real punk and say something, but it that's not actually what I'm curious about. So sorry, I'm sorry to disappoint. Were <laughs> there um, is there a question that you? Another one that you would think of based on our uh not not even not even so much like she she covered a lot of the stuff, but I guess the thing I think of and it's always kind of rooted in being a parent and like like you were talking about the self sufficiency or the i can't remember how you worded it the not needing to have some yeah the the independent thing yeah. just th those would be the only things that I would assume. Uh, folks are going to be curious about like how just how that stuff even works, how you get signed up for it, what it all entails. But it's a whole bunch of private crap, so I'm not going to ask that. Oh no, it's it's really like, you know what? Um, th there was a question that you sent me, um, 
Latia that have to do with community. Unfortunately, unfortunately, because I was like, so in order to quote unquote succeed, quote unquote, you have to kind of get out of the, at least that was what I experienced. I, I had no other people with disabilities. Um, my, yeah, like it, growing up and things like that, trying to figure out. Oh, yeah, me either. Like I, I was the I, one that was like, I don't want to have any friends. Or no one this yes. Oh, that Every was time so it was me. a guy, boy. Yeah. Like, this way. I was like, you're going to marry him? And I'm like, no, I'm not. Just because you want me to do <laughs> There was nothing. And my parents being immigrants didn't know, like no one knew anything. And so. It wasn't until like, and and mind you, I'm old enough to, even like when the ADA passed, I was 13. Mm. So I remember that, like, I remember the, you know, that, that being, um, like, like a, yeah, just an awesome thing. But so just, I, I've had to like figure this out on my own, um, ask women and it wasn't until like I was 18. 19, when I started hiring people, um, penny saver, I've, so a lot of it has just been like trial and error. And my, my mother has always been, and still is like, you know, kind of like my solid rock. But, um, just recently I got connected to this Facebook group of people with, um, various forms of muscular dystrophy and, and people like me. And so I, just recently, like a year ago. So I'm still trying to like get connected to some of these um, spaces so that I can also learn and grow and even learn how to fight the system. And, you know, because it is it is hard. It's That's a whole nother topic of like um, all the barriers and, and the real, like just societal barriers that are in place. Um, yeah, that's a whole nother. So, so having a community of folks that have yeah. disabilities is, is good for these things. Like, we yeah. think, but I totally understand your, like, uh, cause you, as a person with a disability, you're made to feel that you have to find community outside of people with disabilities in order to succeed, right? To be out of this, like perceived bubble that I think the larger society thinks we're in. Yeah. Like, yeah. Like my mom pulled me out of special ed when I was like nine. And so from that point on, I was always around non-disabled. Um, yeah, just always. And so. And realizing that for some folks, special education is the like most helpful space for folks to learn in but I also think that is that a lot of folks with disabilities grow up with that fear because I wasn't in special education classroom but we had to take I don't know if you did but I know we did had to take a test every three years essentially to measure our IQ and to make sure that we were on the same grade level as whatever grade I was in so there was always this fear for me and many of my friends that you put in special education because you didn't write that. So that's a whole nother like (laughs) 
<laughs> that's my perfectionism, right? Like, I've got to be perfect. Yeah. But I can't do it. Yeah. So it's the whole thing. Yeah, yeah. The, this whole, like, performance thing that I still struggle with is is so innate. Like, it's just, yeah. It's it's almost like I have to prove, I have to prove that I'm... Three times over, right? Because, like, we're women and... Uh, women of color and then you have a disability so it's like this thing of like juggling so i'm trying to just rest in like i am who i am right <laughs> like i don't i don't want to need to feel like i need to be a white man you know if you need to borrow a white man's privilege just let me know i mean if i can help out in some way if i need if i need to say a thing somewhere somehow just tell me where to sh- i I do a thing. I'm I'm, I'm kind of tall too. If that helps, I don't know. Just let me know. Like all of the things, you're beyond loan. You know, can we just can we just go? Can I loan that out? Is that even a thing? I don't even know. But hey, I I think thanks. I mean, I don't really have any super ableist things. Honestly, I'm just genuinely curious. But I I do think I, I will say this. I, this is um, not the first interview we've done. It's very helpful, especially as a father, because. I'm thinking through some of the learning stuff with my kids. I have four kids. They all have very different learning styles. And I've struggled as a parent with, this is the way you do it. This is normative, right? Because that's just how I did it, right? And I just, that's what yeah. I know. But, you know, these conversations have really helped me understand that people learn or ambulate, right? Like they, their bodies move and they, they learn and think in different ways. And, and that's perfectly acceptable. We've tried to create a one-size-fits-all approach to probably too much stuff in this world and it's not always the most helpful thing so i'm learning and i'm very thankful for the opportunity and thank you for the vulnerability and sharing your story with us the millennial pastor podcast was created and produced by byron certain and josiah jones this season's guest host is latia frazier If you enjoyed this podcast, then please be sure to rate, review, or subscribe and visit themillennialpastor.com for more podcasts like it.